Well, we're starting a new series today called Christian Wardrobe. And uh, we're not talking about uh, the clothes that we wear on the outside, but we're talking about uh, what our character looks like. Um, as followers of Jesus, there is a char character that we are supposed to possess. And the Apostle Paul, uh, throughout the, uh, his letters to believers in different churches, he regularly talked about, you need to put on this, or you need to put on that, or you need to take off this, or you need to take off that. Uh, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at what are the things we should be wearing uh, uh, in our lives uh, as faithful followers of Jesus, and uh, what is it that, that we are to wear in our lives that communicates what God wants to be communicated to a watching world. Can I just talk to you for a second, just, just you and me here? Uh, just imagine you and I are sitting across the table right now. Uh, you know, a, a lot of times we can spend energy thinking and talking about what you ought to wear. You know, my house, we do that, right? And, and if you've had children growing up, you know we do that. Uh, you're not wearing that out of the house, or um, no, you're not wearing that out of the house. Yeah. Um, and there are battles to win, and there are battles to fight, and, 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 and certainly I, I'm not in any way suggesting that, that we should uh, not fulfill our role as um, followers of Jesus, especially as parents to our children. By the way, you're not called to parent my children. And I'm not called to parent your children. Uh, and, and I just wanted to say that because sometimes we have in this room the idea that it's my job to police somebody else. Well, no, not really. Uh, not, I don't like somebody wearing jeans to church. Now, I'm not saying that about me. It doesn't bother me a bit. Uh, but you might be that person. And so you make it your business to tell somebody wearing jeans they shouldn't be wearing jeans. No, no, no. There's nowhere in Scripture that talks about that. But if you hear somebody gossiping, yeah, that's what we're supposed to talk about. You see, there, there are things that we're supposed to hold each other accountable to. Um, and I have made it my business to make sure that parents hold their children accountable. I hold my children accountable to the clothes, the outer garments that they wear, um, and, and you've probably never heard me talk to anybody in this room about uh, your clothes. Uh, I just don't think it's that important. Uh, what is important is the content of your character Amen. and how you are following Jesus, and so that's what we're going to look at today, and next couple of weeks. And, and I hope it's edifying because, and it should be edifying, and here's the reason it should be edifying, is because you and I are supposed to be <clears throat> sharpening ourselves to become more like Jesus. And, and we're supposed to uh, have a yearning inside of us to, to, to look more like Jesus. And, and, uh, and, and so I, I do believe that even as we look at the, the, the things that Scripture teaches, not, not our tradition, not our own um, ideas, but what Scripture literally teaches us to focus in on, to lean into, to, to, be, uh, to hold as priority in our lives is that we would live 
our lives as a person transformed by Jesus. And that's, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about putting on Jesus in Romans chapter 13. And, and you have your Bibles turned there. Romans chapter 13. We're going to key in on verses 11, 13, and four, 11 12, 13, and 14. As you're turning there, just, just understand this. I, it, you and I, if indeed you're a follower of Jesus, and, and you being in this room helps me uh, at least assume that you're either a follower of Jesus or you're longing to be a follower of Jesus, okay? So uh, what, what I would suggest is that all of us who are followers of Christ, we, we need to hold in highest position of priority um, living a life that looks like the life that Jesus saved to give us, to, 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 to live the life that's been transformed. Um, and so as we look at Romans 11, 13, 11 through 14, I, I want you to join me in hearing God speak to us. By the way, this is God's word. It's him speaking. This, so, so let's listen to what God says to us today, and then let's adjust our life to match what he says. Instead of finding all the reasons why we shouldn't, be obedient to God's word. Let's just go ahead and agree to obey it. Instead of thinking, oh, you know, and, and man, it is so important that, that you get beyond uh, your, our, uh, that we get beyond our own uh, um, inclinations, not necessarily prejudices, but, you know, biases against certain this or a certain that. We need to get beyond that and hear from God today. I mean, that's why you're here, isn't it? To hear from God. And so as we listen to God, let's let's obey him and and not be stubborn about it. Have you ever heard from God and kind of got bowed up a little bit? Bowed up a communicative term. I uh, get uh, maybe bowed, I'm looking at blank faces when I use that. Uh, I talked about hogs uh, at the earlier worship gathering, and people understood that, but I, I don't know how to make that work here. But um, I was talking about the whole hog and getting hog wild. I talked about those two things at the 8 o'clock service, and I apologize uh, for even mentioning that. But it, uh, uh, being bowed up is uh, being stubborn. I'm, I'm going to stand up in pride against what God says. And I feel myself doing this sometimes whenever uh, God's word pierces and cuts something that, that I really don't want him to cut. When, when he begins to confront me about certain aspects of my life that I really don't want to change or um, that I've become comfortable with. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and so what I want to encourage you to do is not allow your stubbornness uh, to dictate your direction. Stop, just stop behaving as though you've got all the answers you need and let's all adjust our lives to fit what God's Word says, okay? And, and, and if we would do that, I can promise you that if we do that, then we will find ourselves far more satisfied with church, far more satisfied in our family, in our home, far more satisfied in our personal lives because we are building our life not upon what I want or what I'm doing or what I want to hold on to, but we're building our lives on the Word of God. 
So let's work on that. You know, I'm working on it, and, and it's hard for me. I, I know it's got to be hard for you, too. It's hard for me to hear God's word and adjust my life to fit it. Uh, but I am fighting for the holiest version of me that I can be. And I know that you are as well. And fighting for the holiest version of me that I can be. So let's listen to what God says to us. Romans chapter 13, um, uh, beginning of verse 11, uh, all the way to verse 14. He says, Paul's writing, he says, And do this knowing the time that... Now it is high time to awake out of our sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of the darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day. Not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its desires. Now, as we look at this passage, we're talking about putting on Jesus. That's verse 14. And put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its desires. So we're talking about putting on Jesus and And what that means is that we must every day live as a person who's been transformed by Jesus. Does that make sense? So if I'm going to put on Jesus, that means today, tomorrow, the next day, whether I'm in this room or in my office, whether I'm in this room or at my school, whether I'm in this room or in my home, whether I'm in this room or at, uh, at, at, on the golf course or uh, in the hunting blind or at the grocery store or shopping at uh, uh, wherever people shop, no matter where I am, I am giving myself to live as a person who's been transformed by Jesus. Now, you know what transformation is all about, don't you, if you indeed you are a follower of Jesus? Um, you know what it's like to be lost in your sin and to be found by God's grace. You know what it's like to be blind in your sin but now have sight because of God's grace. You know what it's like to be empty because of your sin but now to be satisfied by God's grace. Th- this is... The picture of I was dead, but now I'm alive. We've been transformed. But there is still this battle that rages in us every day. It's a battle that you as a follower of Jesus and I as a follower of Jesus, we have to fight it. It, it's, It's a battle that says those old pathways that provided a leaking satisfaction. And and what I mean by that is their old pathways that uh, I looked to to satisfy my soul, whether it was the job I did at school or uh, the relationship that I had uh, uh, or uh, some some, uh, pleasure that I pursued. Those were things that I looked to for satisfaction, and they lasted, they satisfied me, uh, about as long as cotton candy, there and then gone. A burst of energy, maybe a burst of flavor, but then it's gone. And and those are old pathways. And yet, as followers of Jesus, so often we have a tendency to go back to those old pathways to satisfy us. When the truth is, because I've been transformed by Jesus, I have the greatest satisfaction in friendship with him. But there's a battle that rages. I wake up in the morning. I'm going to go to those old pathways. I've got to make that A. 
in school or I'm not going to be accepted. And if I'm not accepted, then I'm not going to be satisfied. Well, I'm fully accepted, completely pleasing to God, not because of the A's that I make or don't make, but because of the grace that he has given me through the person of Jesus Christ. I am fully accepted and loved by him. You see what I'm saying? So there's that battle that rages in us. There's that, 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 those old pathways, those, those old ambitions. You know, have these old ambitions. Uh, I want to make sure that I get what's right for me. Now that, that's probably the most prominent old ambition. But you realize, and I hope this isn't news to you, um, I want to make sure I get what's right for me is not an ambition that Jesus applauds. I want to make sure I get what's right for me. I want mine. But I, I just want, I want you to understand that's, that's not an ambition that will satisfy your soul, nor is it an ambition that is living as a person transformed by Christ. See, our ambition has changed because we've been transformed by Jesus. I'm made brand new. My ambition is not to make sure I do what's right for me, but rather I make sure to bring glory to God in all that I do say, think, or feel. See, there, there's a, it changes in priority, uh, changes in ambition, changes in pathways. Those, that, that, that's a transformed life, but we have a tendency, I have a tendency to go back to those old pathways. And act like those are the only pathways that are really going to matter. And so as we, as we struggle with that battle, uh, we need to put on Jesus. We need to live as a person who's been transformed by Christ. So how do we do that? Well, that's what uh, God is getting at in this passage. God wants us to hear, how can I put on Jesus? How can I live as a person transformed by Jesus? How do I... Um, how do I uh, mute those old pathways, those old ambitions, those, those, those old priorities? How can I mute those and augment or amplify life in Christ? Well, the first thing that we need to do is understand the urgent urgency of this moment. We need to understand the urgency of this moment. Now, look at verses 11 and 12. Romans 13, go ahead and look there, verses 11 and 12. And do this knowing the time, that, it, that now it is high time to awake out of our sleep. Uh, now it is high time. That the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Hey, we need to make sure that we understand the urgency of this moment. Yesterday we had a graduation party uh, for our baby girl, Mallory Thomas, who is going to be up here at the 11 o'clock hour, uh, walking across the stage, graduating from high school along with the other seniors. And, and, uh, and, and, and so yesterday, uh, we had her graduation party. And we've been working uh, for a couple of weeks, just getting things ready and all that kind of stuff. You know how it goes. Uh, you know how it goes. Um, yesterday morning, now the graduation party was at 6.30 last night. 6.30. At, at 6 o'clock yesterday morning, there is clanging and banging and bustling going on downstairs. My bedroom's upstairs, and there's all this activity going on downstairs. I didn't even have to get out of bed to see what was happening. It was my wife. 
and she was cooking in the kitchen and she was cleaning in the rooms around the house because there is a party that's coming and we need to be ready. Twelve and a half hours before the party begins. But in her mind, the urgency was then. And I tell you, God began to speak to me in my slumber, and he said, wake up. <laughs> yeah, it really saved my marriage then. I did, I, I, he said, wake up. The urgency is now. That's what God is speaking to us now. We begin to think about Jesus coming, uh, and we put it off way out there in the distant future. But what God is saying to you and to me today, he say, wake up. The urgency is now. Your salvation is nearer today than it was yesterday. The night is hammered down toward its completion. The day of Christ's appearing is at hand. Jesus is coming. We're going to see him face to face. Are you urgent? To live as one who has been transformed by Jesus. See, now here's the thing. Um, we, we, we postpone the idea of Jesus coming and, and we act like, well, I, I'm going to go through some of the motions. I'm going to be diligent in some of the things, but I'm going to kind of loaf when it comes to things I really don't want to do. When I was in college, I worked at a place called Piping Accessories and um, uh, it is a prefab shop that made uh, stands and platforms and different kind of things for uh, refineries in southeast Texas. And so uh, I would go to work, and, and I had the auspicious duty of picking up cigarette butts off the shop floor and that kind of thing because that's what college students do at places like that. But anyway, as I was working there, and after I worked there for several weeks and then a couple of months, I realized uh, something that I knew instinctively, that there were many people in that shop, and, and when, uh, when it was just the normal course of the day, they would, you know, they would, they would work on their task, but they wouldn't work so diligently that they would complete the task too soon. Because if they completed the task too soon, then they'd have to start another task, and they wanted to hold off on starting another task. You, you, if you've ever worked, you know what I'm talking about. They just kind of, kind of, just take their own sweet time of doing things, until, until the boss came on the floor. You know what I'm talking about? The boss came on the floor, and there was a flurry of activity, dust flying everywhere, hammers banging, torches lit, metal cut. I mean, it, there was some grinding on the metal going on, cutting off slag. It was just a flurry of activity because the boss was on the floor. And they knew that the boss needed to see them working. Oh, that we as followers of Jesus would have that kind of urgency every day. Because Jesus is with us. There's something that happens to our priorities when we see Jesus face to face. There's something about our ambitions that happen when we see Jesus face to face. Oh, that we as followers of Christ, look, we want to live as those who have been transformed by Jesus. We want to put on Jesus. 
then we need to understand the urgency. And by the way, the urgency of this moment is not because our world is going through a cycled season of chaos. That's not what makes today urgent. What makes today urgent is that Jesus is coming. The sound of Gabriel's horn, the faint sound of that horn is blowing. We're going to see Jesus, our King, face to face. Are you ready? And if you're not, adjust, right? Got to elevate our game to see Jesus face to face. We live as one who's been transformed by Jesus when we understand the urgency of this moment. Now, look again in verse 11. He says, and do this. You see that? First three words. And do this. What is the do this that he's talking about? We'll go up to verse 8. and In Romans 13, verse 8, he says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, knowing the time, that it is high time to awake out of our sleep for the Uh, Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of the darkness. Put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in lewdness, uh, not in drunkenness or revel, uh, uh, revelry or drunkenness, not in lewdness or lust, not in, not, not in uh, strife or envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. And do this. Uh, and do what? Well, lo- love one another. Let us love one another. If we're going to live, hear this, friends, hear this. This is, this is key. If we're going to live as one who's been transformed by Jesus, then we must clothe ourselves, our words, our actions, our relationships. We need to clothe ourselves with a fervent love for others. Do this. The day is urgent, so you need to elevate your love. Ultimately, it's loving others the way Jesus teaches us to love others. To love, in this context, is not just to love the people we know, but it's love the stranger. Jesus tells us to love even our enemies and those who hate us and those who despise us. That's the kind of love that Jesus teaches us. Love is a self-giving sacrifice for the good of someone else and the glory of God. I want you to hear that because this is important. Love, as the Bible defines it, as we are to practice, is a self-giving sacrifice for the good of someone else and the glory of God. That's what love is. So so if we're going to understand the urgency of the time, then we're going to love in a self-giving, sacrificial way toward others, not so that they can give give me something, not so that I can get something from them, not so that I can get some gain or benefit, but rather just to bless them and to bring glory to God. This is the model that Jesus set. This is the command that he's given. And this is the clothing of a follower of Jesus. I, I'm worried about us sometimes. 
because there's so much selfishness in us. We look first and foremost to how I can get it for me. And we wonder why it is that the church around the United States of America is declining. Could it not be that we have sold our souls to a selfishness that refuses to shine the love of Christ to people who want to know that we are in it not for ourselves, but for them and for the glory of God. I really do believe that things would be different in the seven cities of Hampton Roads if First Norfolk would live to love the way Jesus has loved us. I really do believe that. But it's got to begin with you and me. Here, not somebody, some imaginary somebody. It, it has to begin here with you and me. If we're going to live as someone transformed by Jesus, it, it doesn't have a selfish bone in its body. Does that make sense? I know this is hard. I know it's not easy. My goodness, I struggle with it every day. But that's why I have to kill my sin daily. That's the third ingredient of living a life that as a person who's been transformed by Jesus. I, it, it, it's, I've got to not only clothe myself in love, but in a fervent love for others, but I, I need to kill my sin daily. That's, uh, Paul says, he said, we, we need, the night is far spent, the day is at hand, therefore, let's cast off the works of darkness, put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in lewdness and, not in drunkenness and reverence, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. You know what he's talking about there. He, he, and that's not the complete list, but that's just the sample size of sin that needs to be killed. Now, look, again, it's just you and me. Uh, I've got sin in my life. I've got lots of it. And it's ugly. And it's nasty. And I've got to kill it every day. You've got sin in your life. I don't say that as a judgment. I just say it as a fact. Amen. You've got sin in your life. And it's ugly. And it's rancid. And you've got to kill it every day. You've got sin and I've got sin. We've all got sin. And we need to kill it every day. And you know the verse that Preachers are going to have to say when we say, let he who thinks he has no sin understand he's a liar and the truth's not any, you know. I mean, that's, we got sin. And none of us have risen above it. Not one of us here have somehow attained a sinless perfection. No, you're not there. And the truth is, you're not there and I'm not there. And none of us are in a position to lord our some weird measure of better than you over the other. All of us are sinners in the sight of a holy God. But what, what God is telling us today, we need to fight, fight fiercely for the holiest version of ourselves that we can be. We need to fight ferociously to be the holiest version of me that I can be. 
And that means I've got to see my sin. I've got to confess my sin. I've got to repent my sin. I can't excuse my sin. I can't pretend like my, it's a personality fault or failing, and it's okay because it's part of my personality. Look, if you are by nature a jerk, Jesus Christ saved you so that you would stop being a jerk. Does that make sense? And that's me. That's that's me. You know, just because you have this natural inclination toward a certain behavior doesn't make that inclination holy. Especially when the Bible says it's not. Especially when we're supposed to be clothing ourselves in fervent love for others. Look, I know this is review for most of us. But today, let's make a commitment to kill our sin. Every day. See, I pray that you and I will begin to fight for the holiest versions of ourselves. That we would not just give ourselves over to a drunken revelry, that we wouldn't just give ourselves over to uh, licentiousness, or uh, that's a big word for a little word that I could talk about, but I'm not going to talk about because, you know, you're not supposed to. I don't talk about that stuff. And, but you can look up the definitions of those words, that second grouping, bad life. But, you know, we think of the first two groups, lewdness, licentious, uh, uh, drunken revelry, uh, uh, lewdness, lust. We think of those two as the wrong side of the track, the red light district, the uh, Atlantic City lifestyle, you know, that kind of stuff. We, we think in those terms, but, but here at home, strife and envy, same list as those other two groups. And boy, we've got plenty of that in the church, don't we? That, that's, that's right here at home. Now, what Paul's saying is none of us are over our sin. So all of us need to cast off these works of darkness and we need to clothe ourselves, put on the armor of light. The armor of light, what is that? Well, his name is Jesus. That's the armor of light. He says, uh, Paul writes, uh, and God says to us, let's cast off the works of darkness, let's put on the armor of light, let's walk properly as in the day. And then verse 14, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its desires. What's he talking about there? He's saying you, you want to live today, tomorrow, the next day, as someone who's been transformed by Jesus, then you need to put on the armor of light. You need to put on Jesus Christ. You need to uh, uh, submit yourself. We need to submit ourselves to Jesus so that he fills us up and overflows. Put on the armor of light so that his love shines through us, so that his goodness shines through us, so that his righteousness shines through us, so that his truth shines through us, so that his peace shines through us, so that his comfort shines through us. But how do we get there? How do we... How do we clothe ourselves in this armor of light? It's by surrender and submission each day to Jesus. It's by spending time with him through his word, letting him, that's what we're doing right now, allowing Jesus to shape and reshape 
our lives. It's, it's, I've been transformed by Jesus. I'm being transformed by Jesus. He's making me to be more like him. So today my prayer for us, for you, for me, my prayer for us is that we would come to this place and, and fight for the holiest version of ourselves. That we would live our lives as one been, who's been transformed by Jesus. That we would fight for the holiest version of ourselves. That we would stop pretending and start being. We wouldn't just, wouldn't just act like we're Christians, but that we would behave as one who's been overwhelmed by Jesus, who has loved us supremely. That, that we would live submitted and surrendered to the only one who can give us life and give us hope and give us peace. That we would wake up each day in love with Jesus, so in love that I would say, Jesus, this day belongs to you. And whatever, whatever you want me to do, that's the path I'm going to walk. And it doesn't matter what I've got planned. You have priority. My ambition, oh Jesus, is to follow you. That's, that's really what it means to put on the armor of light. That's what it really means to put on Jesus. It's, it's that we follow him. It's that we submit to his direction, that we trust in his power, that we rely wholly upon him to make us fit for God, that we would lean into him and lean upon him so that we are defended and protected each day by the power of his spirit that he has awakened in us. Look, if you're a follower of Jesus, you want to live a holy life. That's what you want to do. That's in your DNA. It's in my DNA. But you got to fight for it. And the way we fight for it is by putting on Jesus. Does he have control of your emotions, your will, your relationships? Is he dictating the direction of your steps and your heart? See, the way we find satisfaction and contentment in life, the way we shine brightly in the seven cities of Hampton Roads, not for us, but for him, is to live, each one of us, as those who have been transformed by Jesus, and to give ourselves unreservedly to Jesus. So my prayer for us is that today we would begin and continue to fight fiercely for the holiest versions of ourselves that we can be. Would you bow your heads with me, please? In these next few moments, I, I know that for all of us, each of us, we perhaps have certain points of struggle, um, certain aspects of, of living as those who have been transformed by Jesus. We, we understand that there are aspects of that that, that somehow um, are more painful to let go of than others. So in these next few moments, I just want to encourage you to focus in on Jesus. I mean, really, just lean into him. Focus in on him. Let him speak. His word 
will shape your life. His word will transform your perspective. But his word will also correct us and rebuke us. So if his word is correcting and rebuking you this morning, then receive that. Embrace that. Acknowledge it. Confess it. Repent. Be an easy repenter. Maybe you're here today and man, you are just excited about the opportunity to live a life as one who's been transformed by Jesus. You, you are excited. You're energized. And if that's you, I just encourage you in these next few moments just to celebrate that. Rejoice in it. Shout hallelujah. Thank Jesus that he's given you that urgency and that that passion. And maybe you're here today and there are just some deep needs in your heart that you need to express. And, and I, I get that. It, all of us are fighting battles that not all of us know about. And there's deep pain that all of us experience at different times. But you're here today and, and you're just you're just trying to navigate through the pain of life and, and you're wondering how do I take what God has said to me today and, 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 and apply it to, to, the, to me in the midst of my hurt. And the answer is, man, depend on Jesus. Lean into him. Let him be your comfort. Let him be your healer. Let him be your strength. In a few moments, we're going to worship the Lord together through song. We're going to sing together. And, and as we do, I, I invite you to, if, if God leads you, come to one of these ministers who are here at the front. Just tell, tell, tell us how we can pray for you or any questions you might have, commitments that you need to make. Some of you, you just want to come to this altar and pray. You just you want to uh, take a moment and, and just bow your life before God and, and, and cry out to him in a specific way. Others of you are just going to want to sit where you are and, and reflect and think, and that's, that's good and right and appropriate. Others, you'll want to stand and join us in singing this song of praise to Jesus, who is our everything. However God leads you to respond, I invite you to do it in obedience to him. So God, right now, as you have spoken your word, continue to speak. And lead us to respond to you in obedience to you, in dependence on you, so that we might live our lives today in this place as one who has been transformed by Jesus. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray.